Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. So happy to have you joining me for another week of discussion on the show. Before we dive into today's interview, I would love to start with the review of the week because this community has been incredible providing feedback and reviews. And for podcasts, you know, reviews are everything. When you rate and review and subscribe on iTunes, that is how people see the show. That is how iTunes determines what shows get visibility and which don't. And I really, really appreciate all of your insightful reviews and your five-star ratings. So this week's review is titled Awoken Black Girl. It says, your first podcast I heard was episode 19, Making Self-Care Accessible. The first response Michelle gave you had me crying. As she described her journey, it made me realize that's me. I've been so busy caring for everyone else in my life and at work that I haven't taken care of myself in years. You always cover such great content that I can relate to. Taking your tips, I'm beginning to feel happier and am no longer on the verge of tears. I'm working out again. I even made a dentist appointment, haven't gone in the last five years. The advice you give is simple yet so deep. I appreciate the work you do to create this content. It's awoken my mind, body, and spirit. Thank you. So I am on the verge of tears reading this review. And the first time I read it, I definitely started crying, which says a lot for me because I'm not usually much of a crier. But just the fact that this show and that episode in particular has been one of my favorite interviews to do has inspired even just one person to start taking care of themselves a little bit better and checking in with what they need and hearing that that listener is no longer on the verge of tears because she's now starting to take better care of herself just gives me chills and motivates me to keep the show going. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for that incredible review. If you have not yet left us a rating and review on iTunes, please do. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing how the show has impacted you. It really, really makes all the difference. Today's guest is Sage Kiamno, who is the co-founder of Future for Us, a company dedicated to accelerating the advancement of women of color through community, culture, and career development. Sage has been mentioned in Forbes, the Seattle Times, and more. She's a passionate pay equity advocate and diversity, equality, and inclusion champion. She's provided thousands of women with salary negotiation tools and resources they need to advocate for themselves at work. This is a topic that I have been really, really excited to cover, and that is career development for us, career advancement for women of color and what that looks like and how some of the conventional career advice that we receive may not necessarily be geared towards us and how we can really take our career development and advancement in our own hands. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you will as well. 
And before we jump in, I also want to make a quick plug, especially if you're in the Seattle area, that Future for Us, the company that Sage co-founded, is having their very first summit at the end of April. It's going to be on April 27th. It is the assembly. It is going to be a day of programming, community, fellowship for women of color, really focused on our career development, our professional advancement, and really taking charge of our careers. And I would love to see you there. So I will have registration for that linked in the show notes. I will be there um, speaking, conducting an interview. I would love to see you there. I would love to meet you. I just really hope that you enjoy this conversation and I would love to see you at the event. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Sage, welcome to the show. Awesome. Super glad to be here and honored. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so excited to have you. I am so excited to talk about work and career and how that looks for women of color and and ways that we can really maximize our career. It's something that I've started getting a lot of questions from from listeners. And so I'm really excited to chat with you about it today. So before we dive in, can you introduce yourself to listeners who may not know you and tell us a little bit more about where you're from and what you do? Perfect. Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Sage Kealohilani Kiamno. I am the co-founder of Future for Us, a platform dedicated to accelerating the advancement of women of color through community, culture, and career development. Um, I'm, a pay, I'm a passionate pay equity uh, champion, a diversity, equity, inclusion advocate, and an adventure uh, capitalist. So I'm all above, um, and I'm a Native Hawaiian woman who moved to Seattle about six years ago, and that's kind of my MO. Oh, so many things in there that we are going to really dive into. First off is your organization, Future for Us, which you co-founded with your co-founder, Aparna Ray, last year. Can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired the two of you to create this organization and who you serve? Definitely. So our passion as two women of color, so Parna um, and I actually met a year ago at a pay equity luncheon, like a national discussion on pay equity. I At that time, I was working for a national women's organization called Ladies Get Paid, which has 36,000 members across the U.S. and globally. Shout out to Ladies Get Paid. And she was working for the Women's Funding Alliance, and she was looking up new millennial brands who were focusing on advocacy work about pay equity. So her, you know, she gave us a cold email, and then we've been um, tight since. So, you know, after doing a couple panels together, for instance, for the uh, Women's March here in Seattle on intersectional feminism, we've kind of, you know, we knew that, Feminism, unfortunately, is not really intersectional. Historically, has shown it hasn't been intersectional, and we knew that there was women of color professionals um, who were craving um, and had an appetite for community to build community and differentiated solutions when it comes to career development, when it comes to discussing culture, and also about how do we how do we come together and create this separate organization to really dive into what 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 are the challenges and barriers for women of color professionals, and then how can we, you know, cultivate these leaders and cultivate um, women um, to rise into leadership. So that's kind of where our passion lies. We actually launched this year on January 17th, uh, right in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. Um, and we've gained a, a tremendous amount of um 
you know, a lot of action, a lot of visibility, thanks to our our, our community partners and the uh, advocacy work that both Aparna and I have done over the past couple of years. So, you know, it looks like we have overnight success, but it wasn't overnight. It was a lot of planning and working and grinding and pitching to get where we are today. And it's just the beginning. So that's kind of our story. Oh, totally. And I mean, there's no such thing as an overnight success. There maybe self-made. Yes. There's no such thing. Maybe overnight visibility or maybe overnight increases of visibility, but there is always so much more behind the scenes with the grind and the hustle that creates a quote agreed, unquote agreed. overnight success <laughs> for sure. One of the things that I would love to talk to you about is you mentioned that a big part of what you do for Future for Us is really having open and candid conversations about some of the unique challenges that women of color face in the workforce. And I would love to to dive into that a bit with you. What are some of the biggest obstacles and challenges that women of color face when it comes to equal pay, opportunity, and treatment in the workplace that other groups may not experience? Yeah, so some of the uh, the depressing data points that we've um, uncovered through the Women in the Workplace uh, 2018 report um, by McKinsey and uh, Lean In, that's why it was one of the, you know, it was kind of one of our points where both Aparna and I were just upset from this data. So today, women of color are 20% of the population and hold about 50% of the lowest wage jobs here in the U.S. Um, that is one deafening um, data point. And another another d- data point is that women of color re- represent just four percent of the C-suite and less than three percent of corporate boards. Mm. Um, that is something to pause and really think about when we're ta- when we're thinking about representation on a leadership level at corporations and even on boards, where people make decisions. Right, we are only making four percent and three percent of those um, of of those committees and those boards. So that is another big big part another stat is that there's we have this we have this graph that shows that having your judgment question in your area expertise so um, 40% of black women have their judgment uh, questioned uh, 32% Latinas get their um, judgment questioned 29% for Asian women and then the stats go on and on so when you're thinking about for instance, you are proposing a you want to be a project lead on a big campaign at your company. Um, but instead of, pre- you know, presenting the actual project, you have about you spend the next 15 to 20 minutes trying to prove your credibility or your value. And this can also be translated when you're pitching as a win of color entrepreneur. Um, both Aparna and I have pitched about since since December of last year, 100 plus times to different companies and also individuals like angel investors. Um, and most of the time, a, a lot of the time is, you know, 30%, I mean, not 30%, 30 minutes of, of our presentation is proving our credibility, our backgrounds, our education, and then why are we doing this, right? What are the KPIs and metrics? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other companies like, you know, for instance, Instagram, where they're asking for VC money or <laughs> fire festival no. <laughs> there's there's other uh external um you know attributes that kind of help them get there along the way but we don't talk about the race and how hard it is for women of color um when we are pitching ourselves and our brand um having our question our judgment question i'm sure a lot of the listeners can <laughs> relate to this um i'm like why can't i just get a yes right like why can't i just get that yes so those are three big uh, data points that made us move us to start Future for Us. 
And there's another data point that shows that women of color are more ambitious than their white counterparts. So that's another data point that, you know, we are the least supported and served group out there, yet the most ambitious and ready to take on leadership roles. So just having, you know, your own experience of having your, um, you know, unconscious bias, right, that people have on us when we're, when we are taking and assuming in a leadership role or creating, just creating, right? (laughs) Um, That to me is like a very, it's just, it's a disappointing stat. But also very hopeful in the fact that women like you and I and other women on this podcast is that we are here to lead and we're here to create. Um, and if you just give us the opportunity, um, we're, we'll be here to, to be, you know, to take up that opportunity. Totally. Totally. So, Sage, what is maybe a popular piece of career advice that is floating out in the ether (laughs) that is maybe all over everyone's LinkedIn feed or something that you would recommend women of color not take? Or is there a career advice that maybe doesn't work for us? And what should we do differently? Yes. Um, Let me think about that. So what is something that is that has been popular, like popularized. And then what is something that is different for what is a, a universal truth for most, but not for us. Yeah. There's never absolutes, but like there's sometimes some, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. So the thing about the, the concept, it, it's like the concept of leaning in, right. Mm-hmm. Where we have to, um, we have to be likable, right? Like we are, we understand that we're under the double bind. Um, double bind means that not only are we going to be perceived because of our gender, but also because of our race. Um, and that will be different than anything else. Um, one piece of advice is that we need to do, we have to over strategize the way that we, um, that we ascend into leadership. For instance, we, we, we assume that we need a mentor, like we need a mentor and that's all. Uh, that's not true. We need a mentor and a sponsor. Mm. Uh, the difference is, is that a mentor is somebody who's going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly. This is somebody who you can call at 7, 8 p.m. at night and be like, hey, this is something that I'm having a challenge with in the workplace. Do you have any advice? You know, that that is a mentor. Uh, a sponsor is somebody who sees you and is going to be, you know, be waving your paper in the air behind closed doors where you're not able to be in. So this is somebody with decision-making powers within your organization or your company who has the best uh, interest for you. But that is not your mentor. This is somebody that you get through your um, the currencies that you have. So this is a concept from um, uh, Carla Harris, who is the managing partner of uh, Morgan Stanley, and she's a phenomenal um, African-American woman who has climbed the corporate ladder and has a great TED Talk. If you ever do research Carla Harris, and she talks about um, two types of currency, and one is performance currency, and that's the currency you build uh, when you you give um, what, you know, the, the, you, you, you give the tasks that you, you perform at the tasks that you're given, but mm-hmm. a, like a, a percentage higher than that. Yeah. And relationship currency and another currency is a relationship currency. And that is the currency that you generate through investing the people around you. So building your network, building your community, having a personal board of directors. So that is how you attract a sponsor. Um, 
a sponsor basically. But the common thing is that everyone's saying is like, you need to get a mentor, you need to get a mentor. But what, what Carla Harris says is that for you to actually have power, influence, and to ascend to leadership, you must, you must have a sponsor. So that's something that's different from a woman of color versus everybody else. But women in general is that we need to really define these roles and find these key people who's going to take us to the next level. I think that's such great advice and something that I definitely have never thought of before and will for sure take forward in my career is the difference between having someone who you can go to to have real conversations and advice who is going to be there for you and support you, but then also having a separate person who in the meetings where decisions are being made is is really going to vouch for you. I think that's really important. Exactly, exactly. And um, I didn't know this either. I honestly didn't. Then I really, when I took an audit of the people in my network, I it really made a difference of like, hey, I know you only have a designated amount of time. Could you be my sponsor? Could you be my mentor? And that kind of has helped me uh, build the community I have in Seattle. And, you know, if I needed to pivot my career or go into entrepreneurship, I had a full team ready to help me and support me. So this has been a proven kind of um, example of, you know, myself being able to move quicker and change careers because of that. Absolutely. So if someone is interested in connecting with someone to either be their mentor or to be their sponsor, because I think most of us probably have some level of mentorship in our lives, but the conversation around being a sponsor might be something a little bit new. How do you recommend we initiate that conversation? Yeah. So initiating the conversation when you're asking for a sponsor and or even a mentor, right? Yeah. So what you need to do is attract a sponsor and what it means to attract a sponsor again is to build your two currencies. So your performance currency and your personal currency. So how I attracted a sponsor is that I took an audit of my company and my organization and saying, who makes the decisions here? So really understanding, doing the research of who makes decisions in my company and who can, who is going to be able to take me to the next level. Um, And the next thing is how can I support and show up for this person? So what, what out of like, you know, giving it, taking an audit of your, your talent and your time. And what I used to do is that I would show up for that person and say, hey, I noticed that you're doing a lot of speaking engagements. I can definitely come, I can show up to your speaking engagement, number one. And number two, I can take photos and post about to, uh, about and tag you and your company on social media. And then I can give you the assets of the photos um, the next day. So that was super you know, like, because these people don't, I mean, they do have a PR person, but they don't have somebody who's going to be on hand to do that. Um, so I pretty much served a need. Um, and the thing about having a sponsor, these sponsors don't have time, right? It's really yeah. hard. And you have to show up and show your value, show your cards first. And that's what's going to attract them. Asking them for a coffee isn't going to do the job. Yeah. Yes, it's going to open that conversation, but why should this person who's probably a mother or probably has a um, a bunch of other responsibilities to take care of after work, but how are you going to show up for them? And when they see that you invested in them and give them some type of value, then of course they're going to be able to help you and um, really care about your story, who you are, and then why they want to invest in you moving forward. Mm, That is such a good approach. And really, I mean, what I'm hearing from that is 
focusing on reciprocity. So yes, when you have the sponsorship of this person and you cultivate that relationship, there is a lot to be learned and gained, but also thinking of ways that you can provide value to them um, is really, really important. I love that advice. Yeah, that's coming from um, someone who's Native Hawaiian too. And we're <laughs> such a, um, from coming from our culture, it's about community and what, you know, giving without you know, expecting anything back, you know, it's shooting yep. your shot. Yep. Is that like, Hey, I admire you. I see you out in the community. I, you know, I really love to amplify your experience. Um, and you know, I don't expect anything about it, but, and being transparent about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they just see that and they love that, um, about somebody, especially when I see a young woman who's hungry, I'm all in. If I see somebody who's day in, day out, being consistent, hungry, of course, I'm going to support this person. Of course, I'm going to take the extra time to DM a link about an opportunity to, you know, to support at at an event, et cetera, because I see myself in that person. And then I understand how hard it took for that woman, especially a woman of color, to get to where she is. And if she's giving me value, I'm going to put the same, you know, I'm going to invest, um, my personal currency back into them. So that's kind of how the community works. And I've, you know, it's been successful for me so far. Yeah, I love that. So switching gears a little bit, if there are black and brown women who are maybe the only black or brown woman in their organization or group or company, what advice do you have for them to help them feel more supported when they're in that environment? Oh my gosh, I have so many stories of, we just had this story last weekend too. Um, yeah, tell so them girl, you, tell it. I know, I know. <laughs> and you know, this is why we create a future for us. So you have an external community outside your company to understand that you are not alone and there are, there are other women of color professionals being the only one in their companies. So, you know, number one, um, for your mental health, if you're the only one in your company, just really take a good audit of how much time you're allocating to your tasks, your job. Um, Number two, look for, you know, external resources like Future for Us, like other women's organization or other communities that can support you and how you, you know, how you feel in a way that you can express your experience. Um, Another way is to write, you know, write a blog about it, write about that. Um, And three, if you do have that, if you do have a little bit of time and you're really passionate about it, talk to your recruiters, talk to your hiring managers and say, hey, I would love to have this outside community or this outside organization to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, there's, you know, it's it's a risk to talk about like, hey, by the way, this company's not as diverse as it should be um, because it, it takes a form of a risk, correct? You know, yeah. but I think if you if you point it out, in a way that, hey, I, you know, I'm pointing this out because it needs to be said, but here's a solution to to improving that because here's some options, and then y- you can take upon it yourself to do it. Um, another, you know, another option is to create your own ERG group, and an ERG is an employment uh, resource group, and this is something that you can that you can do yourself and create, and it helps other. Um, marginalized groups within your companies to create community themselves, host events, networking, etc. But, you know, I don't want to say that this is, you know, 
not for not, um, but ERG groups, unfortunately, do not get incentivized or you don't you don't get paid for the extra work of building these ERG groups. Yeah. You know, you're already taxing an already burdened and overworked and underpaid group of people. And this is something that Future for Us wants to um, bring to light and awareness to is that companies need to incentivize the, these um, individuals in the workplace. They're employees who are, you know, like creating a better work place you know um and that needs to be billable hours or it needs to be promotable promotable work um and what we see right now is that a lot of pocs a lot of people of color a lot of women of color are the leads of these erg groups but their managers are are you know in a in a conflict because it's taken away from their their actual job so there's a lot of tension that it forms when it comes to the manager manager role and also that person who's really taking leadership so it's a fine line of like how what is my bandwidth how much hours does it take um yeah and you know i want to sound i want to be super hopeful and i want to be positive but the reality is like these are the things that you face and that's what you don't get with a lot of a lot of these women's organizations like female empowerment you can do this i'm like yes yes that is definitely something that is possible but you need to also analyze as one of color you have to do another you need to analyze again what does that look like for you in your career at your job what are what is something that they're willing to to be because you have to be totally strategic in the yeah. way that you move and the things that you're involved in because sometimes it will be that narrative that it, you know they can narrate and change the narrative of what your your actual intentions are yep. so you have to be super careful in the way that you approach things and that's what the double bind does for women of color is that you definitely have to be more strategic when you're moving through companies and you're taking up initiatives Absolutely. And, you know, I'm right there with you where it's like, I want to present a message that is always hopeful and always positive, because I genuinely believe that. But I also do believe that it is good and important for us to be honest about what our challenges are, because when we're honest about it, and we talk openly about it, that's when we can fix it and overcome it and bring more light to it. And so it it is definitely a delicate balance for sure. It is a def- it's a delicate balance and it's always being aware of it is because I think as women of color, we're always sidelined. Oh, yeah. We're, we're always blindsided, sidelined. And, um, you know, we, we like to have we like to think that people have our best intentions, but it's also like understanding yourself and what are you willing to do? Um, and. Yeah, you know, and we have to talk about the realities of things, like you said, um, for us to fix it and have the right solutions. Because, you know, a partner and I have a future for us. We, we, we're not empowering women, right? Like we are, we are basically setting a platform for to amplify their power that they already have. Yes, <laughs> love that. You know, like we understand that women of color have all the power in the world. I mean, you can see the leaders here today: Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Stacey Abrams, Michelle Obama, and uh, and tons historically, before, you know, who who've pretty much gave us this path to be on to be where we are today and we have to continue this legacy and you know the reason why they are legacy builders is because they are showing the facts the data the actual realities of what we're facing and being super transparent about it for instance AOC last week when she was you know um going in front of congress and you know talking about her case she was open and honest saying that she was not able to 
get health insurance until this year, mm. you know, for a young 29 year old Latino woman to say that in front of Congress and yeah. be so transparent and open, that is revolutionary yeah. because it takes away the shame about being, you know, um, being middle class or like lower middle class, right? Like being able to say like, hey, I have two degrees. <laughs> I went to college. I supported my family. Yep. I was raised by a single mother and I made it to Congress and I'm a congresswoman. I'm telling you right now, the the day, the day in the, like a day in the life of a regular American here in, in, in the U.S. looks like this. Yep. We cannot even get health insurance. Right. And, and that to me is revolutionary that we're not even like, yes, she goes viral, but like to have a leader like that, to have no, you know, no fear in being completely authentically this person. Right. Shows to me the dedication of like, this is what happens when we show the realities of things. Um, and like now we can recognize it. There is there is a there's, you know, you can see it, you can feel it, you can believe it, and then we can move forward. So I know I just went on a rant about that. But I love it. We love rants. How it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that that then how we were talking about balancing being hopeful with the challenges. I mean, I think that gets into being a bit more hopeful that that transparency really drives that change. And like you said, taking the shame out of it, if that's something that millions of people deal with and is unfortunately so common, it shouldn't be shameful. And exactly, exactly. Even with Michelle Obama saying she's from the south side of Chicago, you know, she comes from a working class family. She is so proud of her background, her family background. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, for somebody who is at her level, most people would even say their background story. Right. I was ashamed to say that I was from Glee, to be like quite honest, mm -hmm. from a Glee's like a um, lower socioeconomic neighborhood back in Hawaii. And I used to be like, oh, I'm not from there. I'm from Honolulu. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, why are you so like, what are you afraid of? Like, mm -hmm. why do you have shame around that? And ever since Michelle, um, you know, she always says, you know, she's on the south side of Chicago. Like now I've I've had the courage to say where I'm from and yeah. the upbringing that I had. And that's the power of transparency, the power of pride. Yeah. Just the power of sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's a huge advocate of that. And I know something that I also recently had an experience with that was super interesting was for me, my first working experiences at the very beginning of my career were at a huge company. So I worked at a very big, super corporate company that was very white, very male, very old. And for me, as like a 21-year-old black girl, I was a fish out of water there. And, you know, me starting to work there when I'm 20, 21 years old at the time, I could not articulate why I had such a hard time there. Like the work that I did wasn't difficult, but just adjusting the environment, like being there, feeling so isolated yeah. now that I'm, you know, 10 years into my career and have figured out how to get into much better working situations. I totally get it now. But at the time I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't like this work isn't hard? Like this isn't hard. Why am I having such a hard time? And being able to fully 
understand what it is you need. And when you know your story and when you own your story, you can also really start to advocate for yourself. But anyways, I share all of that to say I recently had a former colleague from my old company, this old, (laughs) this like old, large, slow, super bureaucratic, like corporate, corporate company. She recently like reached out and I honestly hadn't talked to her in years. And she reached out and she said, you know, I have done a lot of development. I have learned a lot and I understand why this company maybe wasn't a good fit for you and I am so sorry that I did not provide the support that you needed. I cannot imagine how hard it must have been for you working here. And to have someone recognize that and see that even though she maybe wasn't impacted by the same things that I was impacted by and be able to recognize that. And now when she works with other young employees, kind of know how to support them better so that they don't have the same experiences I did also just makes me so hopeful for the future of the workforce and how it can change for black and brown women, even at these giant, (laughs) old, slow companies. Exactly. And that is such a unique like moment mm-hmm. for somebody to come back and apologize and say, hey, we've done a lot of this work about diversity, equity, inclusion. I Now I see you, I hear you, um, and I understand now your experience. Yeah. Um, and that is huge. And that is such a huge moment of like, you know, I think for you and I think for a lot of women of color out there, like recognition of mm-hmm. our experiences. Yeah. Um, is huge. It's huge. So I'm glad that moment happened for you because it just gives you validation that, hey, (laughs) it wasn't me. It was the environment that I was in. um, And my experiences are real. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm hoping that more of those conversations can happen, that more people out there, you know, one for women like us can really start understanding and owning our stories and and figuring out how to be more vocal about what we need. But also on the flip side, that those people who may not deal with the same things that we deal with can recognize and understand everything that we're working under and, and can be more compassionate and understanding in that regard. So I hope that that story inspires more stories like that for more people <laughs> or yeah and or even inspire somebody to say hey we we messed up yep and you know we i, I want to make an intentional reach out to you and say hey we messed up and i hear you i see you I believe you you know that's that's huge exactly. so have you know inspiring that that person as well yep exactly So Sage, I would love to switch gears and talk a little bit more about having and running businesses. So we've talked quite a bit about, you know, things to do in the workplace and great advice for in the workplace. You know, we're both entrepreneurs. We have very different businesses, but both are very mission driven and both are really all about supporting and elevating marginalized communities. Um, You're in the process of pitching funding, which you talked about a little bit earlier, um, pitching with your co-founder for angel investors, which is super challenging for any woman, because as most people know, only 2% of um, funding has gone to women over the past, I think, like two or three years. It's been stuck at that 2%. But exactly when we talk about that 2%, really, that 2% is represented by white women and the money that white women raise. So you start breaking that down even further and it gets bleak. Like, I want to say like 
0.2% of funding goes to companies founded by black women. Like as you drill down into those groups within that 2% for women of color, like we're being given so little money to get our businesses and ideas off the ground, which is not representative of the effort that we're putting in. Because as we've talked about, like women of color tend to be extremely ambitious because we're battling so many systems that we're working so hard against. We have all of these ideas. We're pushing so hard to make all these things happen. And yet these systems are not supporting us. So I would also like to note that it is really important to recognize that there are a lot of people working to change that. You have women like Arlen Hamilton, who founded Backstage Capital, which is a VC firm dedicated to funding businesses run by POCs, women, the LGBTQ community. So can you tell us what your experience has been like pitching and fundraising and how you push through it? Because I'm sure that it gets really, really challenging at times. Totally. Yeah. And you are you're right in that um, that data point is that when of color entrepreneurs and founders get to like 0.2% of VC capital. Um, and another interesting data point is that on average, black female founders get $36,000 in investment. 30, well, like that is, that is literally what I'm going to do with $36,000. <laughs> exactly. That's like barely, pay rent. <laughs> yeah, pay rent. That's barely to keep, that's money that you can barely like uh, keep the lights on in the office or yeah. even a salary. Like that's, it's crazy. Like, you know, like Arlen Hamilton always says like, don't give me the crumb. I want the whole cake, you know, yeah. and that's what we want. We want the whole dang cake. We want the factory that makes the cake. We want the, you know what I mean? We want the bakery to make the cake. And that's what we need to push ourselves to think is that as people of color as women of color is like how do we think even larger than the cake itself Mm -hmm. right um and that's what i love about um you know about thinking about bigger like what are the systems that work who actually has power because no matter how much we push it's the people in the systems that have control I'm getting all out of control here, but, um, <laughs> you know, my experience as a woman of color and a, and a 27 year old, uh, co-founder is that it is difficult. Um, you know, we are lucky to live in a time where we act, at least we have the connections yes. and we have the meetings because we are a mission driven, um, a mission driven company. The thing is, is that we're getting a lot, you know, out of the hundred plus pitches that we've had, we've had people, um, you know, say yes in our faces, but when it comes to collecting the check, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're, they're nowhere to be found or, or something happens, right. Or some kind of excuse. So they say yes to us in person, but when it comes to the follow through, it doesn't happen. I mean, this is something, a point in case with Arlen Hamilton, um, she was in some controversy that to me it wasn't controversy, but yeah. she raised a $36 million fund for black female founders to the anchor investors had to drop out. So that made her look quote unquote bad. And that is happening to one of color founders right now is that we're getting a lot of yeses, but when it comes to writing the checks, people are not showing up. So that's something to be cognizant of is that, you know, like there's people who get right the checks right then and there. And they're also, you know, um, women like us who are out there, we're getting the yeses, we're, we're planning the meetings. We're, and people don't understand how hard it even gets us to get the meeting. Oh yeah. Like the cultivating of the leads, the, 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 the moment where you have to say, I am going to leave my job and I am going to start this company with zero capital, <laughs> without a rich uncle, <laughs> without a legacy or fund, mm-hmm. right? 
um, and taking that risk, which is like even greater than most. So, of course, we are going to work our butts off to make sure that we are going to get the meetings and we're going to follow up and we're going to do the X, Y, Z all the way to the exponential numbers. So that is something that been that has been a challenge and a little bit heartbreaking is that even when we do the, you know, we cross the T's and we dot the I's, um, people don't follow through sometimes yeah. uh, you know but through that through those challenges we do have those gems and again shooting your shot it's like you can pitch all day and and it's not a loss every pitch matters every pitch matters because even if you don't get that win you are achieving the next step you learn from the next pitch you you adjust from the next pitch and it also opens a door to this person you meet them in person they can you, you don't you may never know what opportunity comes from from doing that pitch even though you didn't win so for me it's the constant like i want to get as many pitches as possible so i can improve yeah. i I can pivot, I can readjust my, you know, it makes you critically think about how you're perceived, how you, how you pitch, and then also what is your business model and how, who you need to market at what time and what audience. So at the end of the day, it's difficult, it's hard, but I know that the difficulty and like the challenges only makes us stronger as presenters. It makes us excellent. I mean, it just makes us top performers. And at the end of the day, um, I know that we're going to um, continue to try and we're going to try and do this um and we will get a skill and a talent out of this anyways yeah yeah and i think in addition to everything that you're learning and building and getting better is that as you do it and as you raise money and make all of these things happen you're also showing other women what's possible and when they see you doing it it makes them feel like they can do it and that is also a really really beautiful thing Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the amount of Instagram DMs that I've I've received since um, because I make it a point. I know it might be annoying for most, but I make it a point to number my pitches mm -hmm. to bring visibility of um, how many meetings I'm taking, um, how many pitches and who and where and why, you know, in what spaces, because you know, besides posting a pretty picture, like I'm showing you, this is hard work. Yeah. Like you want to see, this is the day in the life. Like I may, I, I mean, I do make my, make like my life is glissy, but that's just because I want to have young native Hawaiian girls to see a positive image of themselves mm -hmm. <laughs> or like a future self. But like also like, Hey, for you to get this quote unquote success, um, you know, which you know, which is, you know, appearing and featured in Forbes twice in a month is that it took this much to get there. And you don't mm -hmm. even see the career paths and the failures I had to go through, um, you know, but like five, six years before that. Right. Um, and the, the amount of unpaid internships I took on, the amount of volunteer work I did, the amount of networking and um, showing up for others like this is why I'm successful right now and there's still more successes to conquer um, in the future and I think for us it's like understanding um, understanding that and understanding the grind and um, I love to be visible and showing I, I there's nothing that makes me happier than seeing another one of color see themselves in me um, and then also be like live and breathe their power um and then see them take off like i just i mean this is why we built future for us because it's a platform for people to to take off in their careers um and then also give 
back, right? And like show visibility and it, it's the best. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> I love that. Love it. So piggybacking off of that, you know, why is it so important for women of color to get access to funding for our ideas? What's at stake if we don't get these types of opportunities? For you to do anything, you need capital. Mm -hmm. It is you need money to move. That's first and foremost. If you think you don't need money to move, then you are not you are out of this world because you need capital to move as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Especially if you are a tech entrepreneur, you understand there's number one, we live in a capitalist world. You need to be the first one to get there. It is a rat race. That's why, I mean, back in the day, it was like an app rat race. It's like, who's going to build the next transformative world changing app and you need capital you need to pay people you need to support you can't do everything for free even us we have sponsors but like you need capital um to really move in this world and you know a lot of us especially pocs um understand that um and that's why people are investing that's why you know jay-z and beyonce are investing right now that's i mean even if you look back in like ellen DeGeneres, like a lot of these successful people is that they reinvested in real estate. They they mm-hmm. invested in land because they understand generational wealth, and that is primarily generated through like investments. Um, and you know, for us, especially for um, um, African Americans in this country, the wealth gap has started because of that of land ownership. Yep. You know, and that's how it has been. You know, this system has created this wealth gap because um, African-American um, um, people and also other immigrants were not able to purchase land. And that's how yep. people have wealth in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't think about that. So the more that we you know, generate wealth, we have to spend in much time as investing in wealth. Um, and when you need when you start your company, you need to make sure, you know, don't. You know, there's a lot of risk and, you know, I want people to be more risk adverse, but also especially women of color to be risky because, I mean, that's how, I mean, there was an incredible article on the New York, a New York Times talking about how, you know, the reason why is because men are willing to take risks. Yeah. Uh, but because, I mean, they were, they're willing to take risks because they don't have the X amount of responsibilities that women have. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, it's easier but, to take risks if you don't have as much to lose. But that's not a reason. <laughs> uh, I did not mean for that to sound as shady as it did. But you know what? We're going with it. We're um, going with it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so the importance of that is like you definitely need capital to start your business. Yes. I love that. Thank you for breaking that down for us. So, okay. Switching gears a little bit again. You know this is a wellness podcast. Career advancement goes hand in hand with wellness, especially when we're talking about access. But I would love to go a little bit deeper. I'd love to get a little more personal with you. I know you're a busy woman getting your organization off the ground. So what do you do for self-care? What do I do in terms of self-care? This is, I mean, this is like the million dollar question. I mean, when you're a busy woman um, trying to handle your personal professional life, it is hard. You have to be so intentional about where you put your time and your energy, but also where do you put your time and energy in yourself? And I think oftentimes as women of color, we don't invest in ourselves because we're busy giving so much away. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's like the heartbreaking thing. 
um, that makes me really sad sometimes because it reminds me of my mom. Like my mother, like she had kids young. She had three kids, um, had us all when she was in college, got her BA in business, had to take care of my dad and our family with all these cousins. And she was the matriarch. She is the matriarch of our family. But putting on, you know, as I mean, I'm sure a lot of these listeners have grandmothers and great grandmothers and mothers who take on all this invisible responsibility that we're not even addressing, you know, having to take care of our older generation, having to take, take care of the kids, have a full time job, do all this kind of mental work. But also we're not doing our the investment in ourselves. So I'm really worried about that. I'm trying to do better. Um, I'm trying to do better in terms of um, physical awareness, um, wellness. And I have to, you know, the sun's out. So, of course, I'm going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more out now. But in terms of my mental wellness, how I, you know, self-care is really um, I love watching and reading content from the previous generations before us. Win of color leaders is that when you unearth the history of powerful win of color um, leaders um, who have done the work before you, that really gives me so much mental um, clarity on on who I am, what my legacy is going to be, and on how I want to affect and change the world, right? Like, to me, like, when I, for instance, this past weekend, I was just, you know, this is exhausting work. It takes a toll on your personal life, and I felt really down. Um, but I took, yesterday, I took a full day to really absorb content and listen um, to previous women. For instance, like Lauren Hill, to me, um, was one of my biggest um, inspirations growing up because she was so different from the norm. And also she was such, she is such a talent, a woman of color at a young age who could rap, who could write, who could um, sing R&B and also show up you know, and be excellent and stand out from all the men. To me, she was such a huge and but also be so philosophical and beyond her time to be at like She started when she was like 16 and talked about hard. She talked about hard topics. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you going to win when you're like ain't right within? Right. Like what? You know, like to me, these like like these these kind of like hold true to me today, you know, like hair weaves like Europeans and fake nails done by Koreans. Like, wow. You know, like her lyrics. I can spit like going. It's just like it it was such a testament to her ingenious way of like um, you know, artistry, right? Um and I just listened to her unplugged um performance or mtv unplugged where she was quote unquote unhinged right um and she was very emotional because you know at that time she was 22 21 Mm -hmm. and she was going through a lot because people expected so much of her right because she gave so much so there are people expected her to have a second album or another successful um, hour and also expected her to address a certain way or speak a certain way but you know, at that time, she just told everybody, like, I am human yes. and I'm not going to live to your standards and I'm going to take care of myself. And this is if you want my authentic me, you're going to have to take the good, the back, the ugly. And this is what it looks like, you know, and a lot of us do not do not. You know, I was having a challenge today is that it's hard to fe- to to be transparent about your own not weaknesses, but your own like demons. Right. Like your own 
things that you're working on. It's like, it's hard to show that because we have to be so strong on our lives. We have to take care. You know, I think as women of color growing up, like you are the, one of the, um, you know, you're the rock of the family too. You know, that is given at a at puberty. As soon as yeah. you can, as soon as you can be responsible, they, your family puts responsibility on you. Yeah. Um, and we don't talk about that either. It's like, how do we raise our young women? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you guys, boys, you can play football outside. I'm like, oh, no, you have to go help mom do, set the table, clean the dishes, do this. Right. I mean, there's different. Every household is different. But, you know, for my self-care is like really I love analyzing lyrics, texts, um, speeches, because to me it shows like how can I become a better storyteller? And it gives me insight of how I can be more powerful as an influencer as an influencer um and yeah this week I mean her music really helps me heal uh, mentally and it gives me clarity on my exhaustion and um and and see an example of somebody who who who's been through it right who's been through one of the hardest times of her life but comes out swinging um, and that gives me strength at the end of the day. So that's part of my healthcare is to really observe, I mean, absorb content and um, that inspires you to move forward. I love that because I think, I mean, obviously we are all so inundated with information. We're consuming content all of the time, but conscious consumption in a way that makes you feel whole and grounded and inspired and uplifted, I think is a really, really beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Sage, where can our audience find you? How can we keep in touch with you? What's coming up next for future for us? Like help us get our careers together. What What's <laughs> next? <laughs> yeah. So you can, um, so you can visit our website at futureforus.co. So it's www futureforus.co.com, but it's co. Um, also follow us on Instagram at futureforus.now. Again, it's futureforus.now. And that's our Instagram. If you want to follow me, it's at sageq, S-A-G-E-Q. Um, and the exciting part is that Future For Us, we are a, what, two and a half month company. We launched on January 17th. And now we are launching our first ever conference for women of color professionals and it's going to start here in seattle in the great pacific northwest um april 27th um and you are going to be there interviewing a phenomenal women of color artist her name is christina martinez um and we have a full line of speakers um panels workshops and classes and this is going to be the first of its kind here in seattle um and it's going to be 250 plus women color professionals and we're super excited so if you are interested and you're a women of color professional in the area visit futureforus.co and then get your tickets early bird is still till friday so we extended (laughs) it um and we want to see you there we want you to to feel powerful and the community around you and it's just going to be an inspirational day so we hope we just see you there love it thank you and i will have all of that information linked in the show notes so that you can follow future for us so that you can follow sage and if you are listening to this episode before the april 27th future for us assembly i would love to see you there so we will have a link to tickets in the show notes as well Woo-hoo. yes sage thank you so much for coming on the show this was so helpful so many gems were dropped. We loved having you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's an honor. 